0: About anxiety and depression today, uh, but I'm a little bit anxious because we've never done it this way before. Does anybody get that way when you try something new? Never done it this way before, uh, and and so uh, I've been a little bit anxious about this. But I think there's going to be a lot of power in what we're doing today, and in uh, the upcoming weeks. Um, I feel like God gave me this idea. Uh, a couple of months ago to do a series that I'm calling tell me the story and in this series what I want to do is I want to interview different folks from within our congregation or associated with our congregation that have stories to tell of God's faithfulness even through difficult times Uh, in a couple of weeks uh, we're gonna have uh, Brian and Janice Langford with us, uh, and they're going to talk about the uh, loss of a child, Um, and I would ask you to uh, be in prayer for them this morning, because if you don't know that connection, uh, Brian and Janice, uh, Janice is Maribel Barr's daughter, and uh, Maribel, um, she went to be with Jesus uh, yesterday morning. And so uh, we want to be in prayer for Brian and Janice, for that whole family, um, and uh, all those who know Mary Bell and love her so much. Um, Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how God has been faithful to the Raylanders uh, through ongoing health issues and just the different things that God has done in their life and I know that's going to be amazing as well because the more and more I talk to people, the more and more uh, there's just things that that come up, health issues that that come up. And and some people are frightening them every single day of their lives and even to the point of um, wanting to give up. And and I want you to hear their story because you're going to be blessed and you're going to be challenged by it. Today, I'm going to bring up a couple that um, each of them have have dealt separately with with their own uh, struggles from anxiety and uh, depression and so I'm going to invite Will and Jess Smith up. Uh, Will and Jess are graduates of Johnson University so yay for that, very good. Um, And uh, they uh, those microphones on—they are on. Okay, you—one of you yellow, one of you green. There, uh, they have a precious little boy who has strep throat right now, so he's not able to be here uh, today. Riley, and some of you have seen Riley bouncing around here at different times, and and they've been in the ministry, and they have—they've uh, uh, been knocked down a few times. Uh, they've dealt daily with struggles that a lot of us can relate to, uh, some of the struggles we might not be able to relate to. Uh, But I think it's important for you to hear their story because um, I I think anxiety and depression are two things we don't talk about enough uh, in our churches, and I think there's probably a lot more people that deal with those things than we realize, And, and I know... Um, we we may not even come to any conclusions today. That's why I'm a little bit nervous because as a preacher, I like to wrap it up and I like to have all these applications and and put this nice pretty bow on it and send you out of here thinking, hey, you know, that was just great. I can use that. I think we'll have some of that today, but I can't guarantee it because we're just kind of letting the Spirit have His way with this and lead their thoughts and lead my thoughts. So it's going to be kind of an interview type of sermon rather than just me standing up here preaching at you or to you, Uh, we're going to just have a conversation about God's faithfulness through uh, anxiety and through uh, depression. So um, guys, I'm not sure which one of you wants to go first, but I do, I would like for you to just kind of start out and tell a little bit about, um, you know, how you got here. Uh, Just give us your story.
1: Um, I'm Jess Smith, and um, we've been going here for about Two, almost three years. Um, I, was, I was born um, and raised in Flat Rock, Indiana, so not too far from here. Um, and we grew, I grew up here in Indiana. I went to school at Southwestern, if any of you know where that is. Um, and I felt God calling me to be a teacher very early on in my life. Um, so I went to Johnson. I felt like they were the best fit for what I wanted to do. Um, always had the plan to be in public education, I felt like that's where my calling was. Um, so I went to Johnson, um, I graduated with a bachelor's and a master's in education, um, and then I met Will shortly after we got to Johnson, and had no intention on dating or getting married while I was there, but I did. At all. <laughs> he, he tried really hard. Um, but, um, we met and we got married, um, between our junior and senior years of, um, attending Johnson and Will was always, um, called to the ministry. So that was his goal. So I knew going into it, I'd be a minister's wife and yes, I got my MRS at Johnson, um, my MRS degree. So, um. Uh, I taught in Knoxville for about a year to a year and a half, and then Will got a ministry in Indiana, so we moved back here. Um, I'll let him kind of take over from there about our ministry.
2: Uh, Well, I'll start off with where I'm from. I'm originally from eastern Ohio, over by where Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia all kind of have that little tri-state area. That's basically where I'm from. So uh not around here uh originally um uh, grew up over in o- Ohio for most of my life uh, went to Knoxville, Tennessee after I felt God's call on my life for me to take a step forward into something new. Uh so I went to Knoxville, Tennessee for uh the ministry, to learn about it, to learn how to get up in front of people and speak. Uh, I agree with Ron. It's kind of odd when God calls someone who does not like public speaking and thinks he's going to pass out when he gets up in front of the crowd uh, to be a minister because it's, you, you just feel God's presence, that, that all-surpassing peace that just, I don't know, something, nothing like it in the world. You just get up in front of the people, and you can feel the Spirit moving, and, and you just let them speak. Uh, I felt that call pretty, pretty much all of my life, uh, and the odd thing is I failed most of my public speaking classes in high school, <laughs> but when I went to Johnson and started applying it to the Word of God, I passed them all with flying colors. Amen. So, that's God's uh, presence there. Um, As Jess said, we met in uh, Johnson, uh, got married. Uh, 2013, we moved to Indiana for uh, my ministry, uh, for our first church. Uh, About five years later, we decided to move back up here uh, to be around Jess's family and We've been here pretty much ever since. Yeah.
0: And we're glad that you are. Um, now, in our conversation that we had, um, Jess, you deal with anxiety on a regular basis, uh, off and on. Will, you have battled depression um, and uh, sometimes pretty, pretty dark times in your life. Um, when When someone in the church says, okay, or even outside the church says, okay, you're supposed to be a Christian, you shouldn't battle those things, you shouldn't have those issues. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and you'll have this peace and yet you don't always have that peace. Jess, how do you answer someone who, who says that to you growing up in the church, growing up in a Christian family, how do you respond when someone says that?
1: Um, I would say to people that think you don't have anxiety as a Christian that they're honestly probably not human. I feel like everybody experiences anxiety at some point in their life, but I feel like anxiety, um, as most people that experience it, know is something you deal with your your whole life. Um, And you can go through good days with it. You can go through bad days with it. Um, I think it's about what you do with your anxiety. Um, You could choose to hide and to just be worried all the time about things you can't control. Um, Or you can give it over to God and let him handle it. And it usually goes better with that second part. I found that the more I try to fight it and control things, the more I can't. Um, So I feel like giving it over is the better thing to do. But I feel like Christians absolutely have anxiety. And some of the most anxious people I've met are Christians. Um, so I know I'm not alone with that. Um, but I feel like it's what you do with your anxiety. Um, and no one's ever going to be perfect. No one's ever going to always give it to God, um, even though we know that's the answer. Um, so there are good days and bad days, just like with every temptation or every sin. Um And it's just what you do with that and what you make of it um, that helps. I know for me, it's praying in my car every morning. Um, I know that's kind of crazy. Ron encourages me to keep my eyes open while I'm driving, (laughs) praying in my car, um, which is probably a good thing. Um, But I found that that is a good way to start my day, to already battle my anxiety from the start. That doesn't mean I always win the battle or that that's always you know, going to be the end-all, be-all, but that certainly helps in the morning. The first thing I do when I get in my car is to do that, so I feel like that gets me in the right mindset. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. Is it fair to say that, like, uh, when Satan is throwing things at your mind about anxiety, is it fair to say it's similar to any other temptation we have, such as, you um, you know, the temptation to maybe not tell the truth or the temptation to uh, give in to lust or any of these other temptations that Satan throws out. You can either dwell on that temptation and dive in or you can do something about it. Do you think anxiety is similar to that?
1: Yeah, I do. Okay,
0: okay. So with your anxiety then and then knowing, okay, ministry has enough uh, issues of its own, so that can create some anxiety. And then knowing that your husband deals with depression, how did that um, just pile on to the anxiety that you were experiencing?
1: Well, I think the anxiety obviously worsens as his depression worsens because I feel like what do people know what don't they know? you know do they know he's struggling because I I can tell even when he doesn't tell me. Um, so there's and being in the ministry is always you know full of anxiety too because, you feel like everybody's watching your moves, um, and you don't want to fall, and you don't want to stumble, because you know people look up to you. Um, So I know that that heightened my anxiety a lot. Um, Even though I had people in the church that were there to help, too, um, it it was hard to deal with all the anxiety of people watching us and knowing that he was struggling, too.
0: And most people don't understand, uh, they might understand anxiety a little bit, but they might not understand the the darkness and the deep depression that can sometimes set in. Not just for a minister, but just for any Christian. But then when you say, oh, wow, he's a minister, he shouldn't shouldn't feel that way. And then, you know, I, I, I know of just in recent years a number of ministers who have become so distraught that they've taken their own lives. Um, pastors of mega churches. Um, so it's a very real thing that, again, I think sometimes we sweep under the rug. And Will, we were talking about this—the the different stages. And we did pass out some uh, some flyers there, some sermon notes. If you're if you're following this, the stages of depression. Uh, stage one is dejection, and this is kind of more temporary. It's kind of emotional. You kind of have the blues, kind of the blahs, so to speak, where you're just not having a really good day. And then
2: kind of the level of depression that almost everybody. Experiences, even if they don't have a clinical uh, diagnosis.
0: Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we all have those days. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, all have those days. And then stage two is discouragement. It's a little more severe. It's a little more prolonged. Um, This is where people become more disheartened, and, and they really start to become down almost to the point of feeling hopeless, um, you know, and David even dealt with this. I wrote down a scripture here that I want to share with you. He says, I used to go to the house of the... This is in Psalm 42. He said, I used to go to the house of the Lord with joy and thanksgiving, but not now. I think we've, we've all been there at, at different times where we're really thrilled about going to the house of the Lord. But then there's times in your life where you just don't really feel like go, going right now. And then he says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so um, that was one way that David dealt with it, that even when he didn't really feel like doing what he needed to do in praising the Lord, he still kind of pushed through and did. He, he went anyway. Yeah. Have, how, how did you, like, I mean, you're getting up and you're, you're preaching. You're preaching the word of God and you feel awful. How did you push through that?
2: To be honest, uh, I've dealt with depression for long enough that um, those who are in the same boat as me who've dealt with uh, clinical depression for multiple years, you kind of put on that mask Hmm. where you just have gotten so good at acting like everything is okay Putting on a smile, uh, you just, it's second nature to mask it it in front of everybody. Uh, Just faking it and uh, as the saying goes, fake it until you make it. Well, a lot of times with people with depression, they go through that motion until hopefully one day something breaks and they are able to actually enjoy something for a little bit.
0: Wow. Stage three and four is despondency and despair. And we talked about the despondency. It just keeps, it's basically a progression. We're just keen to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And even Charles Spurgeon, who is one of the greatest preachers we've ever known, would he dealt with this type of depression, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you were sharing with me how you kind of vacillate, uh, between all four of those stages, some days it's way right here, some days it's here, um, and and you know um, I, I think that's I don't know that's difficult to try to um, push through. I'm sure. How do you do that? What what are some of the things that you do to kind of push through and get yourself in the right place?
2: Um, well, honestly, it, it, with depression, especially the, the type of depression that I have. Um, it's really one of those things where you just have to have constants, mm. um, something that you can grab on to that is never going to change. And luckily for me, we have a God that is constant. Mm. Uh, we're, we're told in Scripture that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Um, his ho- the, the hope and his, his mercies are new every morning. His love never changes. Yeah. We have these these things that we can gravitate to. So um, I don't know how non-Christian people who have uh, clinical depression deal with it. But for me, it, it's, it's always returning to that constant foundation. Yeah. Uh, when I think that I've hit rock bottom, I look around and I make sure that it is the rock that is my bottom. Yeah. Wow because otherwise... Time out. Write that down,
0: there. Caleb. That's a song idea right there. Write that down. Did you write that down?
1: He's got his notebook That's in his That's incredible.
0: Say that one more time. Okay. When you hit rock bottom... When I hit
2: rock bottom, I have to make sure that I look around to see that the rock is my
0: bottom. Wow. Because otherwise, what am I standing on? Wow. That's big. That's powerful. Um, and, and here's... What would you say to the person who doesn't suffer like you do, who's kind of oblivious sometimes to what different people are going through. Because here's the deal. you, Most people who battle anxiety and depression they don't walk around with signs on or T-shirts that say, I'm depressed or I'm anxious. What are some warning signs? And maybe you see this more than what he would, but what are some warning signs... For us to, you know, we see a loved one that's going through some things. What, what are some things you can look at to say, man, they, they need some help?
1: Well, um, I think it's different for each of our conditions. For anxiety, um, someone that's struggling with anxiety that you may be close to, they're like you said, they're not going to wear a sign. But I mean, anxiety can look like always having to be on time, you know, always wanting to look perfect, you know. Um, always wanting to make sure everything is so-so. A lot of people that have anxiety um, do well at masking it um, because a lot of it is based on what they can and can't control. So I would say um, those things are things to look for um, with anxiety. Um, Or you have people that totally draw away when they're anxious because they can't control anything around them. So it could go both ways. Um, I would say when Will's experiencing depression, um, signs that I notice are um, him not talking as much, um, being distant, maybe he used to text all the time and now he's texting maybe once a day or not at all a day. Um, Even things that he's normally excited about like watching our Steelers even though they're terrible this year. Um, Play, And he doesn't want to watch the game Or just stuff like that Um, People that struggle with depression Tend to not go out and do things Even things that they like to do So if you're looking for signs Of somebody in your life That struggles Those may be things to look for And I think um, sometimes I surprise him Even with knowing when he's going through stuff Even though he's got his mask on For other people
0: I'm glad you brought up the Steelers, because one thing I didn't say in the introduction that I meant to say is these guys are incredible people, and, I, and and here's how I know why. Their first year here, I can't remember if it was my birthday or minister appreciation, it was my birthday, they got me a Dallas Cowboys coffee mug, it and, pained they're, me and they're Steelers fans, so this tells you the kind of heart that they have. They're awesome people, um, <laughs> But but... Different circumstances can cause different feelings of anxiety and can cause depression. Some things that we've noted are, some people are just born with chemical problems. There's just nothing you can do about it. Sometimes it has to take uh, medication to help even those things out. Uh, Sometimes it's circumstances that deal with that, and sometimes it's our mental attitude. I want to deal with circumstances for just a moment because you guys have been through some circumstances that, um, you know, have led you to kind of take a break from ministry right now. Uh, and and I know, Will, it's on your heart to hopefully get back in it someday when God calls you to the right spot. But can you can you just talk about some of the circumstances that you've been through each and, and how you've had to go through those tough times and what you've done to kind of get past that?
2: Well, honestly, um, it all comes down to um, we as Christians think that we don't deal with these things. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who uh, claim to be Christians to, that believe that depression doesn't really exist. Anxiety is a figment of the imagination. Uh, if you're a real ch- Christian in their perspective, uh, none of these things are supposed to affect you. Uh, they're essentially fairy tales. Or stories for those who are outside of the realm of Christ. Um, we've seen this in uh, some of the churches we've uh, gone to before. And we're not going to name any names because we don't want to uh, badmouth anybody. Because uh, people change and some have uh, through seeing our stories after a while. um uh, But there are Christians out there that are actually more ugly than other people Mm. just because of the way that they treat those who do have mental illness Mm. Uh, as though though it's it's purely made up for attention.
0: So being a young man in ministry, right, you're out of Bible college, you're ready to take the world by storm. You're all fired up about going into a church and reaching people for Jesus, and then, boom. Um, what did that do to you emotionally, and just, I mean, how did you deal with that?
2: Um, well, honestly, uh, it was all predicated by uh, the death of my grandfather, mm. who was a minister himself. Uh, one of the reasons why I got into the ministry was following his example, um, with his passing, it, it really hit me hard, and uh, I was never really the same. Uh, honestly, I'm probably still not quite the same as I was when he was alive, um, even today. Um, but with that downward spiral, I was reaching out, trying to to grab a hold of something, someone, that I could hold on to, that draw near to. Uh, luckily, I had Jess. Um, she was one constant in my in my life, and um, I could reach out to God. But when I tried to reach out to those in my ministry, in in the, in the realm of my influence, I was faced with rejection because they looked at me as though you're a minister how can you claim to be this person when you're going through what you're going through where's your hope where's your joy where's your all of these things and when in the midst of that darkest time you don't really know where those things are yeah I could grab out to God and I, I knew he was there and I knew I had hope in the future, but hope in the present seemed to be fleeting. I knew I had a deep set joy, but the happiness of uh, the things of life, the things that I should have a zeal for seemed to slip away. They were but shadows in a shifting fog. Mm.
0: Wow. And then you make this decision, this difficult decision, rather than rip the church apart by leaving or or causing them to fire you or whatever. You kind of mutually agree to like, listen, it's probably best for the church that we just leave. And then you go to another church, which is your home. And that turned out to be kind of rough as well. Um, You want to talk about that for a second or... Um, If you don't, just tell me no. That's okay, too.
1: (laughs) When we left our ministry and made that transition, that was very difficult for both of us, and I think it was for different reasons. Um, But we um, were able to move back up here, at least close to my family, you know, one of our families as a support to kind of transition out of ministry and into something different uh, for a season. And so... We found um, my home church to be welcoming back of us, and they kind of took us in. And um, a few years ago, um, some situations that were out of our control happened. And um, again, we felt like people in the ministry were not really who they said they were. um, And we made the really, really hard decision to leave there, um, which was probably harder for myself than Will i grew up with these people and again they didn't really understand um the situation and just some things that were happening there so um but through that we have found here and we have found people to be authentic here and we have found people that we feel like we can relate to and be human with and also worship with um which is awesome (laughs) because Um, Kind of in a season of healing for us, we went through inadvertently another church trauma, even though we weren't in the ministry at the time, Um, but being here is a place of healing for us, and I feel like we both um, felt like we were accepted here, and that we could heal here, and maybe potentially one day get back in the ministry.
0: I hate that you've gone through what you've gone through, but I'm thankful that it's led you guys here. Would you all uh, amen to that? Some ways we talked about and how to respond to uh, depression, uh, these are some things that I mentioned with you, and you said all of these resonated with you. The very first thing is go to Jesus first. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle, and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The very first thing, if you're out there and you are dealing with um, depression or anxiety, either one of those Uh, situations and anxiety can lead to depression doesn't always but it can Um, go to Jesus first you know we we see people run to different things uh, that I can take you to uh, just about uh, any recovery group in in the nation and and a lot of these these things that we've talked about have led people to take up some type of substance abuse and so um, a lot of people turn to that. Some people, I know kids when they're younger, they'll, they'll go in the room and they'll slam their door and they'll turn to music or they'll call a friend or something like that. Um, the Bible tells us, Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. I know you guys have experienced that firsthand. And, and that's a daily thing. That's not just something you can just go to him one time and say, okay, thank you, Jesus, I'm good. That's that's regularly that's every every single day. So if you're dealing with that and you're taking notes, write that down. Go to Jesus first. Read God's word. Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad Spencer chose the song. Uh, when I when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. We're praising. We're reading the word of God. We're worshiping Him. Uh, we're driving down the road praying.
1: Keep my hands on the steering
0: wheel. Yeah, you. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, You don't just, Jesus, take the wheel. You don't do that and just go. uh. I
1: prefer to have control of the wheel.
0: (laughs) That's good. Uh, And and then there's another thing that we talked about. You have to make the decision that you want to get better. It's been my experience that some people just enjoy being miserable. Um, And you, you think about the story of the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And, and he's sitting there by the pool, and, and Jesus asks him a, what might seem like a strange question. He says, do you want to be well? You know, the, the, you would think the obvious answer would be, well, duh, yeah. But some people don't, and some people just, I don't know, for w- whatever reason, maybe they like sympathy. Maybe they just, I don't know what the case may be. But we've got to make that decision to get well. And then regardless of how we feel, we've got to take action. We we've got to get some help and, and realize. Listen, you can't you can't do it on your own. You know, you, you you've you've got to have somebody uh, help you through this, and then uh, get the focus off of self and onto others. Um, how has that helped you to just like okay, instead of sitting around and worrying about my issues, to maybe focus on others, serve others, see what their needs are. Um, how does that help?
2: To be completely honest, throughout my entire life uh, that I've dealt with depression, God has always placed in my path someone dealing with something similar to what I've been going through, Uh, whether it be uh, abuse from a a parent, uh, abuse from a uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, uh, someone who's just depressed, having a bad day. God always, in every single day that I've ever struggled, has placed someone there beside me and reminding me, I'm here for you. I'm here for them. You reach out, and I can guarantee you you're gonna be blessed as well.
0: That's God's word coming true when He says He allows you to go through certain things so that you can be comforted with the same comfort. You can comfort other people with the same comfort that you've been given. So praise God that you're continuing uh, to do that. Uh, And then trust in the Lord regardless of your circumstances. Um, You know, it's really easy to look at the circumstances and start putting your trust in what you think could happen or what might happen. But to place your trust in the Lord in spite of the things that are going around, that's another, that's another, it's more difficult to do. How do you... How do you focus on that? How? What, what do you do to say, listen, I'm going to trust you, God, regardless of what's going on? Is there anything that you're go to?
2: Well, I'm both blessed and cursed with a pretty good memory. OK. Um, so in that I, I'm cursed with the good memory because of the bad things that happened in my past that have inadvertently caused me to go through larger seasons of depression. But I'm blessed with memory because I can look back and I can always remember the times that God pulled me through when I never thought there was a chance. There were rays of light that he shed in my life, whether it be a a person, uh, a movie, a book, maybe a song that came on the radio, there's always been something that shines in the darkness and reminds me that He's still there. He still loves me. He's never changed. Wow, Guys,
0: thank you so much for sharing that with us uh, today. I know your story is going to resonate with a lot of people um, and uh, I just appreciate your courage and your willingness to, um, to be here and, and talk about that. Will, will you all just um, uh, agree with me that we're going to pray for Will and Jess because just because they've gotten up here today and talked about this doesn't mean your problems are all going to go away uh, and they need your prayers would you, would you all agree to pray for them uh, this morning and, and while you guys are going to go ahead and make your way down would you give them a hand thank them for coming up here uh, this morning and, and while they're headed down uh, guys thank you so much love you brother God's going to use you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, while they're making their way down, I'm going to have the worship team to to come back up. And, and as they're coming up, I want to share a story with you that I found that I think is... Uh, actually, Spencer found it and sent it to me that I think is absolutely uh, remarkable. Uh, there's a guy by the name of William uh, Coper. You might not know that name, uh, but you're going to know... Uh, What he's done probably, William Coper, his mother passed away when he was six years old. He was one of seven children. He lived and he had a brother that lived. Uh, His other siblings all passed away. And then his mother passed away at the age of six. And his father sent him to a boarding school. Uh, his father was a very deeply religious man. He sent him to a boarding school hoping that, that maybe uh, that school could help him uh, become the man that he wanted him to be. But while he was there, he was abused by an older boy. And he was bullied uh, just continually. And uh, that deep, deep depression started to set in on Coper, And he became very distraught and he battled depression on a regular basis. However, he was a very, very talented poet, and uh, his poetry became so popular that it was put, uh, put in a book, and even Ben Franklin gave a review of the book, and uh, a glowing review of how good his poetry was, but even with all of his success, it didn't change his mindset. He was still very, uh, very depressed, so depressed that he contemplated suicide three different times. He was placed in an asylum because uh, those who knew him didn't think he could function in in society. So he was placed in an asylum and um, he met a guy by the name of Dr. William Cotton and Cotton began to share the scriptures with him and one day while at the asylum he's sitting out in the garden and he's reading from Romans chapter 3 and in Romans chapter 3 he read these words. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. And so through this scripture, Coper began to believe in the sufficiency of Christ as the substitute for His Sins That Jesus died for him and he turned his life over to him. And he wrote these words. There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath the flood. Lose all their guilty stains. In one of the darkest hours of his life. He wrote those words, and then he followed with these. The dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. And while Coper continued to deal with depression the rest of his life, this was his approach in his remaining days Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. The guy that wrote one of the greatest hymns that we sing battled depression. We did not darken the lights for effect. In this deep, dark time. No, um, that was not on purpose. have no idea what happened there. Uh, but the guy that wrote that song dealt with depression. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers we've ever known, dealt with depression and anxiety. Many of you sitting out there deal with anxiety. You deal with depression. I encourage you to think about some of the things that we've talked about. Turn to Jesus first. Worship Him. Praise Him. Talk to Him. Read Scripture. Cling to those things that you know are true. And there might be some of you out there who who are dealing with depression and you're dealing with anxiety and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I'm going to assure you that even though it won't go away completely, you'll have a hope like you've never had before. God doesn't promise that everything's just going to be sunshine and roses after you give your life to him, but he promises to never leave you and never to forsake you. And that's that one constant that Will was talking about that we know we can hang on to. So if you're here today and you need to make a decision, we encourage you to come during this song. Spencer's going to lead us in the song There is a Fountain. I'm going to ask you to stand. Maybe you're here today and you are dealing with things you can't deal with on your own and you just need some people to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you about whatever's going on in your heart and your mind today. Let's uh, let's pray together.